dearest friends and lovers who've journeyed from afar find this podcast. I appreciate you. I love you. Welcome back to another episode of Be Here for a While. Today's episode of Be Here for a While is brought to you by Rothy's Beta Brand and Third Love. Get involved. I'll tell you about them later. Discount codes to follow. How you guys doing? I love you. Thank you for listening. As always, thank you to everyone that has subscribed, rated it five stars, and left good reviews. It honestly means the world to me. I know I say that a lot, but you don't even know. And uh, feel free to uh, continue to do that. And uh, DM me on Instagram if you ever want to chat. I'm here for you. I love you. Okay. I got a good episode today. Uh, This girl, I'll tell you about her in a little bit, but we've been friends for a long time. She's got a super interesting story. Before I get into that, I want to tell a little story about um, a, a man I met on a flight home from Indianapolis the other day and his incredible story. So sometimes you're just like, you know, cruising along in life and maybe perhaps feeling sorry for yourself for certain things and then you meet someone uh, completely unexpected and they tell you their life story and you uh, instantly put things in perspective and are grateful for you know what you have in your life. So I'm on the f- a flight home from Indy and I'm sitting next to a, a man who's about 61 I think he told me he was and um he reminded me sort of of my dad, gray hair and uh but, but you know looked youngish but you know had gray hair and and he just I, I kind of had a feeling he was around my dad's age and he seemed kind of like nice and fatherly or whatever. So he's sitting next to me. We don't talk the entire time until towards the end and um we'd both uh uh, ordered a glass of red wine and so we were kind of like bonding over that and then uh, he asked me what I did and I said oh I'm a comedian and but I was in town I was in Indianapolis because uh, my boyfriend had a, a movie in a film festival there and so we get to talking a little bit more and I ask him what he does he explains and then I said uh, I said oh cool I said do you have any kids yourself and uh, he goes well I had four now I have three and I, I instantly am like that's kind of the moment where you're you know, do you ask? Um, but I did because I felt like he wanted to talk about it. And I said, I said, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, what happened? And he had this, a really, really amazing daughter. I mean, just cool as heck and doing great things for the world. So she was, I think she was 21 years old, he said, and she was in college and she, um, and by the way, he told me I could tell this story because I'm going to, you know, plug her uh, charity after this. But, um, she was away. She was so she was doing like a like a study thing. we in different countries, uh, in college or after college. I wasn't quite sure on that. Uh, and so she was going to. I think she was in Myanmar. He said, and so she was in a bunch of like countries like that. She's been doing it for a while, and he was actually supposed to go meet her in Tokyo after that, which is the most heartbreaking part. So she's in Myanmar. And it's basically like she was doing programs for children, like finding education for them and helping out and. Um, just a really a wonderful person and she ended up uh passing away in like a a freak accident it was absolutely heartbreaking to hear because you you know you hear about people you know um you know all the other ways you can pass away but just hearing like someone who lost their daughter who had to he said the hardest thing that he ever had to do was going to pick her up so flying out there to you know pick up his deceased daughter and we we just really got into we were talking a lot about it and um you know he was just talking about how uh the way they're getting through it is they're they're living through 
her legacy and they've started this charity called CassieCares.org and they have a goal to um, raise a certain amount of money to, um, you know, help people in the way she was doing it. And I don't know, I just, I just, you never, I feel like it's nice to talk to people and, and hear their story. So we, we connected, he sent me an email and I, and I told him I'd talk about it on the podcast and you know, it's just a good, you know, you know, check yourself when you're kind of maybe feeling sorry for yourself or getting mad about dumb stuff, you know, um, that there's, you know, people that are still moving on after surviving after a horrible tragedy like that. So anyways, if you guys can donate to CassieCares.org, it's K-A-S-S-I-E and then K-A-R-E-S.org. Um, so yeah, it's a uh, CassieCares.org with a K. K-A-S-S-I-E, K-A-R-E-S.org. You know, try not to just focus on the grind and the dumb day-to-day life stuff and, you know, love the people that are around you. I just, I was really moved by that guy and, um, you know, praying for him and his family. So on a lighter note, um, I was stuck in a dress for three hours yesterday. Um, yeah, that was great. My mom sent me a dress because she's a sweetheart. Uh, sent me a nude. I opened it. Everything went fine. Took it out of the package. Zipped it on up. It was a little tight, but that's not why I got stuck in it. Zipped it on up and then went to go take it off. And it's not like the zipper got stuck in the fabric. And by the way, this was a pretty nice dress. It's not, it wasn't, you know, I'm a big advocate of Forever 21. It's my favorite store, but this is, was no Forever 21. This is like a, you know, hundred and something dollar nice dress. And I, uh, so the fabric had not gotten stuck in the zipper. I don't, I did all, I looked at all that. It just simply did that annoying thing. Those skinny little zippers do where you just can't undo them. And I was in a straight panic after, well, I mean, I didn't panic right at first, but then once I had gotten it like halfway down and I had turned it around. So the zipper was in front of me. And at that moment when I couldn't get it off that way, I started Googling all this stuff of ways to do it, like put soap on it. I did everything. People were recommending Windex, soap, oil, all these things. Couldn't get it off. Couldn't get it off for three hours. I had ordered food delivery. A gentleman came to the door. I had to put a sweatshirt around myself in 98 degree heat. Well, maybe that was an exact 90 degree heat probably. With a just a random dress around my waist and uh, leggings on like a, a weirdo. Picked up my food delivery, then realized I probably can't really eat this right now because I'm stuck in this freaking dress. So if I even expand my stomach a little bit, we're in a real dangerous situation. So I was like that, yeah, like I said, for about three hours. Finally, I was very close to cutting it, but I'm like, I can't cut it. It's a brand new dress. I can't do it. It basically took up my entire day. I mean, I'm laying on the floor trying to hoist it up. I'm doing everything. I may have cried a little. Well, mostly I was just laughing and making Instagram stories. But uh, I eventually was able to get it off when uh, my boyfriend came over and he had to jimmy it off of me. But just a nightmare situation. That's happened to me before with a... I might have told this story on my podcast. I think I did. And I was wearing a, like, full-body, like, denim jumpsuit that had... that The zipper was, like, all, all on the side. And so when it unzipped, like, you know, your whole... Your, all your underwear, your, all your everything some cellulite maybe whatever whatever's happening on me is I hanging out the side when you unzip it and I'm out with his friends and I go to like a single bathroom so there's no one else there to help me and it's just you know one of those single stall things go to the bathroom and then I realize I'm going to put it back on that this thing's not zipping back up so I had to walk out 
into the restaurant with my dress completely open, ask him to zip it up. He couldn't even get it done. So then a nice little random stranger had to then hoist me into it. Life is hard. I think it's just, I, that kind of shit happens to me. And show dates. Guys, I really hope that you come out and see me. Uh, I will be in Philly on November 7th at Punchline Philly. I will then be at the Queen Wilmington, Delaware on November 8th. There's an early show and a late show. There's still tickets available for those. You can go to their websites or you can go to my website, rachelbryancomedy.com. Um, really would love to see you guys there. I'm super excited about it. I've never been to either place before. So if you have any restaurant recommendations, you know that's my favorite thing in the world to do. Hook a sister up and uh, come out to the shows. Can't wait to see you. Well, anyways, guys. Uh, okay. Exciting podcast. So I originally met Anna Christina Cash in uh, L.A. We were both, uh, well, we'll tell, we tell the story in the podcast. We were basically both managing ourselves and uh, pretending to be our own, like, manager agent and calling ca- la- casting directors on our own behalf, submitting ourselves. Like, I had a whole fake name. We had a whole fake business. Um, <laughs> so we met and then we were, you know, friends through that because our, our mutual friend had set up a, an account for us to do this. And then we just always kind of supported each other in our careers. And um, and then one day I I see that she's moved to Nashville and uh, she's, I was like, John Carter Cash, John Carter, that sounds, oh, I think she's dating Johnny Cash's son, which is a perfect match because she is one of the most talented singers I have ever heard. Now she's married to him. She tells that whole story. But when I went and saw her perform in LA for the first time, I was, she has probably one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. And she has an incredible career. She was, she's been doing it since she was a kid. She got a record deal when she was really young. Um, she was basically on like the uh, Latin equivalent of what the, like the, I almost want to say three musketeers. What was it? Ma- Mouseketeer? What is it? Shoot. What was it? Mouse club? Mickey Mouse club? Is that what it was called? What's the one that like all the Britney Spears and all them did? Whatever it was. Uh, Kids Incorporated? Someone, you guys are screaming at me from through your listening devices like saying the real name but you get the point so yeah she's had an incredible career she's an absolute doll so without further ado give it up for anna christina cash anna christina thank you so much for doing this i appreciate it um i haven't seen you in a long time it's great to be here i know (laughs) i i feel like we've crossed paths like you've been in la when i've been out of town i've been in nashville when you weren't there and i feel like we just have not been in the same city in a long time and so it's nice to talk to you it is. I still remember when we used to go to each other's shows. I used to go to your stand-up shows all the time when I lived in L.A. and you supported my singing shows. And, you know, it's so interesting how you and I met also through our mutual friend Marcus Spence and yeah. how we were just, you know, going to auditions and everything and just keeping tabs on each other. And, mm-hmm. you know, I always admired your worth, work ethic, by the oh, way. Oh, thank you. Same with you, too. I mean, what we were doing was hilarious. Uh Oh yeah, it was. Uh, I actually think I think I'm I think I'm gonna explain it in the intro because I I want to explain like my end of it where I was like full on managing myself, like. Oh me too. Like like we're like little hustlers. Were you were you like making the phone calls to casting directors and pretending to be someone else? No. Okay, so I also did that, which was like I looking back, I'm like, I have balls because that is insane so okay I'll explain it here so basically well, like, maybe I did Rachel I'm sorry I'm sure I did that yeah, yeah. I don't remember I just I felt like a crazy person when I was doing it but it worked so Anna Christina and I we both um, our mutual friend Marcus Spence had like 
a management company for a while, but then he got too busy and he was like, well, you guys can just use the platform and submit yourselves. (laughs) So then we got to see like what the agents and managers get to see. So normal actors, like there are websites where actors can kind of see like, you know, student films or like background parts, but like they don't get to see like, you know, a Disney movie or an NBC TV show or whatever. And so we had access to it. And so we were like on a free for all. We tried a password, submitting ourselves for these things, then calling (laughs) and then pitching ourselves as like an agent to these casting directors. You know, it's it's funny because it's it's a professional system. It's a breakdown services, and it, it costs money to operate. So, like the fact that we were, you know, you and I were splitting that and doing that, it's it's actually what a lot of people will do. And just me coming from the music world, I didn't know how to operate the acting world when I moved to Los Angeles, and to venture into that um, from the very beginning, that was such a helpful tool. And what a good friend Marcus was oh, to like absolutely. absolutely let us like do that and then that's how I met you mm-hmm. and then we started supporting each other's shows and everything we both lived in West Hollywood and we're just like on the grind just like working really hard and you know it's it's important to have that work ethic and that charisma along mm-hmm. with it because like I mean if you don't believe in yourself like who's going to believe in you so I think, I think we're I think we did the right thing and like your, your career has grown mine as well from from all of those lessons all you know? like it's, and it's all like little baby steps and stuff and I think a lot of people think like oh I'll move to LA and I'll get an agent and they'll just make everything happen for me and it's like mm, you're not gonna do it's not gonna be that easy just sitting around like you you know it's good to have an agent as long as they're hustling for you but sometimes it's better to hustle for yourself or at least do them simultaneously oh a hundred percent even if you're on a roster with an agent or a manager in the future it's like you're on a roster with a bunch of competitors at the same Mm -hmm. time so what makes you stand out what's your what's your niche like what's your your market like for me my thing is music you know that that Mm -hmm. set me apart and for you is your comedy Mm -hmm. you know and and everything and that's kind of like where we we put ourselves to kind of stand out you know yeah from the bunch so So I want to it's just like a really interesting process sorry go ahead it's okay um so I want to talk about your I mean you had an incredible singing career like starting as like a child and it's super interesting. It's like multicultural. Like I, I just saw something and I, maybe I already knew this before, but like I saw something on your Instagram that you perform for the president. So I just want to go back to the beginning of your career yes, yes. and you have a voice. Like I think you're probably better than Christina Aguilera. Like I remember when I would go see you live and be like, I don't know how a lot of people are like household names and she's not, you know, now you're, you've kind of blown up, but like, I just was like, she's better than 90% of people that are, you know, dumb pop stars. <laughs> You're so sweet. I love you. Yeah. And and thanks for your early support too during those days, you know, because it's just like, just as you know, you moved from Oregon and you went out on a limb to like live in LA and I moved from Miami to go do that stuff. So it was mm-hmm. nice to make friends along the way that always supported you. So yeah. thank you and, for that. And stuff. aren't jealous. Like I, I, I really always loved you for <laughs> that too, that it's like you weren't a caddy girl. Oh um, no, no, neither were you by the way. And like, I was, I admired like your intelligence and like, I like totally respected your hustle too. Well, so you. like, woo. But this, but, yeah. this, but this interview's about you. So how did you, how did you get started <laughs> when you were younger? Like, when did you know, Coming from someone, me personally, who I can't sing at all, was there like a moment when you just started singing when you were a kid and everyone was like, holy shit? 
Well, I always loved music. I had um, older sisters that were teenagers, like we're 10 and 13 years apart. So they would listen like Madonna and Michael Jackson and all this stuff. And they do like little dances with their friends. So like, so I had all these teenagers in my house when I was like a toddler, like playing all this pop music all the time. So I mm-hmm. just loved it. And I would just watch TV and I would sing along with Disney movies. And my grandma, when I was about three years old, told my mom, oh my God, I think she can sing. And my mom was like, that's ridiculous. Like all you think all little kids can sing. That's not true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so then I, I wouldn't stop singing. So I would start, you know, entertaining kids in school and my teachers and then they'd move me from class to class to sing. And, you know, it sort of just became something I always did. And so I they were realize. like, you were like entertaining the, the classroom and then they would like, okay, you're going to go to now uh, classroom B and you'll be singing for them. Yeah, it was really weird. And it's I didn't know so why they weird. moved from, from classroom to classroom. But it gets it's it gets even, you know, crazier down the line. I started singing the school auditoriums and everything. And then um, fast forward, um, there's this little variety show in Spanish. It's not little at all. It was actually the largest variety show in, in history of, you oh, know, wow. English and Spanish. It's called it was called Sabado Gigante. And it went off the air like a few years ago from mm-hmm. Univision and it was in the Spanish language and international, but they had a kid segment that I used to watch all the time with my grandmothers, um, my grandmas, my abuelas. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I really, really want to be one of these kids on the show. Mm-hmm. What, and but explain was, what your background is. You are, I'm Cuban American. So my, my parents were born in Cuba and came during the 1960s uh, wow. when Castro um, came into power, they left the revolution. Oh, wow. I bet there's some interesting stories there. Lots of interesting stories. Like my parents had to start from scratch. Um, you know, they came to the U.S. as teenagers without a penny to their name. Essentially, my dad became an engineer and then started an air conditioning company. Mm-hmm. And he and my mom met at a party in Miami. But that's that's a whole nother story. Okay. <laughs> Have you heard about this company making stylish shoes for women and girls out of recycled plastic water bottles? Oh, and they're crazy, comfortable, and fully machine washable. I'm obsessed with my Rothy's shoes. I am not exaggerating when I say I pretty much wear these shoes every single day. And they always look brand new because I can just throw them in the uh, washing machine and I basically have a brand new pair of shoes. They're so comfortable. They're so cute, so chic, and they come in a wide variety of colors and styles. Rothy's are the perfect everyday shoes for life on the go. They're stylish and comfortable and they go with everything from yoga pants to dresses and skirts. And like I said, they come in an ever-changing array of colors, prints, and patterns, and they're available in a range of styles like sneakers, I have those, loafers, also have those, points, and more. They launch new colors and patterns every few weeks and they sell out constantly. I'm telling you guys, you're going to be obsessed with Rothy's shoes. You're going to want to wear them every day. You can walk I mean, I will walk, I mean, you know, I'm a walker. I will walk like five miles in these shoes. They're so comfortable and so cute, perfect to travel with. And it will blow your mind, like I said, that they're made from repurposed plastic water bottles. In fact, Rothy's has diverted over 35 million water bottles from landfills already. That's so amazing. We need that kind of thing. So go check out all the amazing styles available right now at rothys.com slash be here. Go to rothys.com slash be here that's r-o-t-h-y-s dot com slash be here and get your new favorite flats comfort style and sustainability these are the shoes you've been waiting for head to rothys.com slash be here today so point is um i was lucky enough that that show was being taped in miami the univision base is in miami and that's where i lived and that's where i grew up so my mom took me to an audition when i was six years old where i sang the little mermaid and 
they took me on as one of their kids. So I would do, I would do skits for them throughout the years, probably from the age of six to 13 years old. I worked on that program just sporadically and I do competitions Mm -hmm. and I feel like that really was a huge lesson for me because sometimes I would win, sometimes I would lose and that really built my character. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, I mean, I could see it being really, really hard on some kids, but the fact that you were able to get that lesson out of it when you were little, you know, I mean, you were you know, essentially a child star, which that can usually go south pretty quickly. Um, yeah, but the still fact sane, that you, or so, I, so people think. <laughs> it's what? I'm still sane, or so we think, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so at the, at the same time, um, in middle school, this is the kind of, funny thing or not so funny depends on what you think but um I went to Catholic school mm-hmm. so the priest would pull me out because I was like the singer you know for like the middle school and everything so he would pull me out of class to sing in people's funerals so I'd sing the Ave Maria oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> so dark <laughs> I know it's a little morbid for like a 12 year old I think but um but this, these are all of my life experiences. It's and it's it's been I've performed in all sorts of venues. Like later on, I of course went went on to sing at the White House. And okay, explain how that the- even happened. Was that part of so when once this show you did the show until you were thirteen, and then uh, so did you so that you were in junior high when you were also performing at the local funerals. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. Um, and then, no. so then, so were you still on the show when the White House thing happened? No. So I stopped doing that around the age of 13, and mm-hmm. I'm going to move forward a little bit in time. And at the age of 15, I started recording my own demos and writing music. And my sister had just gotten a new job as a pharmaceutical sales rep. Mm-hmm. And the woman that was training her, that became a family friend, like her, you know, we're all family friends now. Um, was in her my sister's car training her for her job, and my CD, my demo was on. Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Who is this? This is really good." And, and my sister's like, "That's my 15 year old sister." Mm-hmm. And the woman was like, "Wow! Like she sings really well. She has a very mature voice for 15 years old. That's that's kind of crazy." I have a friend that's an A and R at Sony Music Latin. Oh, wow. And I would love to bring this to his attention. Maybe she could sing background vocals for their artists or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, word gets back to me. I was really excited and I really didn't have any expectations. I was just like, oh, cool. Maybe I can like sing backup for JLo or something. That would be like awesome. <laughs> you know? well, yeah, 15, that would be like, I mean, now it would be cool. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was it was a dream. And then, you know, they asked me to come in for a meeting and this was a totally different landscape in the music industry at the time. This was like the year 2000, just to give you an idea. Okay. Um, and the, the record industry has changed drastically since So then. what was different then than it is now? Well, you didn't have um, the streaming, for example. You uh-huh. didn't have any of the streaming services. Um, the label later merged with BMG. It was like Sony on its own. And a lot of the sales went down. It was Remember, the industry went to like a really big funk and CD yeah. sales. And then digital started, like Napster, like mm-hmm. the piracy ruined everything. And then later they find, found out how to monetize it. So slowly it's been growing since then. But for a long time, the sales were not the same. They weren't signing as many artists. They still aren't signing yeah. as many artists as they were 
back when I was signed. Mm -hmm. So there was a period of time after that where people stopped signing as many artists. But um, going back to this, so I go into the meeting. Um, I was 15 years old and met with them, just talked to them about what I wanted to do. And and they they offered me a record deal, essentially. Oh, my God, at 15. At like, 15 and on the, like just completely on the spot. Um, not exactly on the spot. I remember just getting a call back and then them saying that they wanted to sign me. But, you know, I guess it was an overall conversation, playing of my songs. And they saw the opportunity um, to market me at the time like a Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera sort of thing because that's what was happening in the landscape. But for the Spanish market. Mm-hmm. How so, exciting. Yeah, so it was super exciting. I got to win with, uh, sorry, work with Grammy Award winning producers um, of all kinds. I worked on my debut album, released it. I got to travel to Puerto Rico, to Mexico, all these places, do promotional tours in Spanish around the U.S. and wow. these countries. And, you know, I was still going to high school at the same time, which mm-hmm. was crazy until it became too much for my schedule and I was homeschooled my last two years of high school. Did that affect you at all that you were not interacting in it like the same way with the kids around you or did you just, you were, you know, your career was more important? Well, you know, it was pretty amazing. I think it was probably one of the best things that happened to Mm -hmm. me because um, I had a tutor at the time that functioned as my school (coughs) and I was working through the system um, by correspondence, which is kind of like independent study online now. Mm-hmm. So I was like one of the very early independent study learners. So I would work with the University of Lincoln, Nebraska independent study program. Mm-hmm. And I would mail all of my work by correspondence. Because mm-hmm. oh. it, it wasn't like you could, there was no system on the internet to do it at the time. Yeah. Now, did you feel like, because um, you know, you said they were trying to market you like a Britney Spears or Christina Aguilera for the Latin market. Did you feel like, uh, kind of like a puppet ever where it's like everyone's just telling me to do all these things and like I don't like did you feel like you lost creative control and that it ever like became too much you know it's interesting because for me I was so young it was more so of a learning process and I was grateful I was I can't tell you how grateful I was for the people that became my mentors Mm -hmm. and I only look back on that time with you know a favorable opinion most definitely um, my writing wasn't where it should have been probably at that point. I was very young and it was a different, you know, even though I grew up speaking Spanish and English, my writing in English was much stronger. Mm-hmm. So I had, you know, there were other writers that involved that wrote those songs, but, but you know, I just gladly interpreted them at the mm-hmm. time. It was fine. But like, as I've grown in my career, I grew as a writer in both languages, mm-hmm. not only in, in the English, but in the Spanish as well. I had a better grasp of the language. Yeah. So... I feel like that's definitely changed. Um, later in the mix, I started playing guitar more and like writing music on guitar. So that changed as well. And just, you know, writing music on the piano. So I've definitely grown as an artist um, from my very young yeah. teenage years, do you I would re- say. Do you remember getting really <laughs> nervous? You were probably performing in front of really big crowds at 15. Do you remember getting like really nervous about it or? You know, um, I think even till this day, I still have a little bit of that, which is, I think it's like very healthy for a performer to have, just, so, to have yeah. just to have a little bit of the jitters. Cause like, you know, it's important, you know, that you have to, you know, people are there to see you, they're paying to see you, you want to do a good job. So I think even still, I have a little bit of the butterflies, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, at the time, again, like I said, like the, the early competitions on Sabo Higante helped me. I had um, voice training as well. And, you know, I was always willing to do things that I was afraid to do, which mm-hmm. I think helped out, which I still try to live by that motto to the, till this day. Mm-hmm. I try to do things that scare me every now and then so so I could grow, mm-hmm. essentially. And I think that's, as performers, that's what we need to do. Yeah, I think as, as people, too, in general, where it's like, do, do stuff that scares you. Like, that's how you're going to, like, create change in your life. Otherwise, you're just doing the oh, same yeah. thing over and over again every day. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so um, long story short, my label, Sony Music Latin, they merged with BMG. And during that merge, a lot of the people I work with got fired. So my project was no longer a priority compared to the people that were huge stars at the time and selling tons of records. So um, I I went independent Mm -hmm. and I later focused on writing music in English and I was independent. I still am to this day and have really grown as an artist. But at the age of 19, um, I had a demo of me singing the Star Spangled Banner and then it got into the hands, I think, of the governor of Florida or something like that. So they wow. asked if I could sing at the Continental Ball for the presidential inauguration. It's insane. I mean, that's like, I mean, 99.9% of people will never even set foot in a place like that, let alone uh, ever perform. Like, it's got to be so scary and so cool. Yeah, that was like one of those outer body experience moments. It's like, wow, I can't believe I have this opportunity. It's great. It's, and forgive my coughing, by the way. I just got over a cold. So. Oh, it's okay. I have horrible allergies, but I took some Sudafed or whatever the allergy medicine is. So I'm <laughs> not super sniffly right now. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So I went. Um, so I went to Washington, and that and you know the media really took a hold of that moment, and they started talking about how I was like the first Hispanic person in history to sing the Star Spangled Banner at a presidential inauguration. It just kind of caught like wildfire. It was like on the news and everything and Channel 6. And I was like, whoa, this is kind of crazy. But really an honor. It was an Mm -hmm. honor to do that. And that led to other opportunities. Like the following year, um, Emilio Estefan, which is, you know, Gloria Estefan's husband, who Mm -hmm. I've worked with in the past, um, actually on my my previous record um, in Miami, he was in charge of bringing Latin artists for Hispanic Heritage Week. So the following year in 2006, um, I was invited to sing at the actual White House mm-hmm. for the president in the East Room. And at the time, it was the Prince of Spain and other ambassadors. But wow. I think King now, who knows. But that was really trippy for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, oh, my God, it's crazy, you know. But again, it's one of those life experiences. And I'm just grateful for my ability to entertain people and the fact that music and following my dreams has gotten me these gigs and have, you know, led to this direction in life really to enable me to see things I wouldn't have seen otherwise. Yeah. So have you felt like since like you were, since a young age, it was basically like an upward trajectory or, and like, you've never really like known like necessarily like a normal life or do you, did you ever have to have a real job or... Did you, or have you just been doing music this entire time? Oh, absolutely. Um, I worked the summers for my dad's air conditioning company. Mm -hmm. Um, I worked as a hostess 
later in Los Angeles when I was independent, when I was figuring stuff out, like I always did music, but like, you know, it's, it's been back and forth. It's fluctuated. I've had great successes and I've had times where I'm like, okay, I've got to like figure this out. Like, especially the, the time when I went back into like trying the acting thing as well, mm-hmm. you know, so I've had very normal jobs. I worked at a summer camp you know, once, you know what I mean? So yeah. Like when I was much younger, I, was, I think actually it was before my deal, but yeah, um, but I've had to have, you know, all sorts of things going on. I worked for um, a charity, mm-hmm. putting on events, and I had to like find step and repeats for people and like do publicity and all this stuff. You did know, you, but all of this. Did you yeah. ever get like recognized when you were at a normal job? <laughs> Where they're like, "Aren't you the girl that sang for the president?" Well, like like sometimes it, it depended on the audience because that was such a specific audience, like a mm-hmm. you know Hispanic audience, you know. Um, but, you know, everything, every experience I've ever had has only enriched my life as a mm-hmm. person. It's, it's made me grow any, I wouldn't call it failure, but anything that wasn't, you know, being on top all the time mm-hmm. um, gave me humility, most yeah. definitely, and made me grow. So, And sometimes I think those, those are the things that, like, propel you to push yourself to the next level. You know what I mean? Instead of just like, okay, I have this level of success, it's like, when you don't feel, when you feel like you've taken a step back, I feel like it's helps to light a fire under your ass even more. That's like, I want to, I want to do more. Did you ever feel like uh, you ever wanted to give up or were you like, this is what I do and I'm going to make it work and it doesn't matter. You know, I've had, I definitely have had times like that. I'm like, why do I choose to pursue this career that is so difficult on people where there's so much rejection and when there's so much this. And then I remember um, you know, the reactions I've gotten from an audience or people that say, I, you know, the song that you wrote has really touched me. It's really changed my life or, and, and it makes it all worth it again, really. Mm-hmm. So but I've, I've definitely had those moments where like, I could have absolutely followed, um, a different path and have a, a straighter life, you know, cause mm-hmm. the, the path is very, very windy. Yeah. And interesting. But, but that's, that's, you just have to like accept that. I like that it's not a linear path and that it's like, that's where all the exciting surprises come in and like things that you never expected to happen, happen. Um, Most definitely. Like just a few years ago, I got to sing at the rock and roll hall of fame. And in my life, I've gotten to sing for NFL games, um, major league baseball games, football games, just all sorts of opportunities to be in auditoriums, arenas, Mm -hmm. um, everything really that I never have gotten to experience in my life. If I, didn't put one foot forward and keep moving yeah absolutely my number one favorite item of clothing are yoga pants because i love being comfortable but sometimes you want to look nice and now beta brand has solved the problem of being comfortable and looking nice for me with beta brands dress pant yoga pants you don't have to choose between being stylish and comfortable anymore it's work attire it's go into a meeting attire, it's lunch attire, but they're comfortable. You deserve to have stylish work pants that don't skimp on comfort. Beta Brand's dress pant yoga pants are super comfy, perfectly stretchy, and they stay wrinkle-free. Trust me, you're going to look amazing in them. I wear them everywhere now. Beta Brand wants your help in turning up-and-coming designs into full-fledged products, too. It's really cool. They have this crowdfunding platform that gives you a voice in deciding tomorrow's fashion today. And anyone can join the community, brainstorm, that brings new beta brand styles to life, and you're even gonna get 15% off every time you fund a new design. That's amazing. So whatever your style, beta brand has the pants to match. They have boot cut, straight leg, skinny, cropped, six button, and wide leg. You can choose from dozens of patterns, cuts, and styles, including 
a pair with eight pockets. Not only has Beta Brand revolutionized office wear, but now they offer premium denim with the same flexibility and comfort as yoga pants. And take my word for it, super cute. They make your butt look awesome and they're super comfortable. Also, I got a pair of gold disco pants. I don't want to brag. They're pretty awesome. Beta Brand is stylish, comfortable, cute. You guys got to get involved. You've got to try a pair of these pants from Beta Brand. Trust me, you'll love them. And you can get 20% off at betabrand.com slash be here. Don't wait. See for yourself why millions of women agree these are the most comfortable dress pants ever. Go to betabrand.com slash be here for 20% off. That's B-E-T-A. B-R-A-N-D dot com slash be here. You won't regret it. Well, speaking of like unexpected things. So I knew you in LA and then was where I was following you on social media. And then all of a sudden I see on your Instagram, I'm like, she's, no, she doesn't live here anymore. And then I was like, God, that name sounds familiar. This guy that she's dating or getting married to or whatever. And so then I see all of a sudden you are dating. Um, it's, it's Johnny Cash's son. Is that... <laughs> Yes, yes. So he's my husband now, but yeah. um, we actually met in LA. Like, I forget if it's late 2013 or early 2014. And he and I just met while we were there, like randomly at the Sunset Marquee, and we became friends. And mm-hmm. you know, lost touch. And was it like at a music event, or were you just happened to be hanging out there? I just happened to be hanging out because I live like right down the street. Literally, that's where I would go. So he just started talking to me and then, like, you know, we became friends and didn't talk for a while and then started talking by text. But he was he wasn't creepy or anything like he he would tell you the story the same way. Like he was just very platonic and very respectful of me, which, you know, and I'm very appreciative of the fact that we had a friendship first before Mm -hmm. anything happened. So like nine months down the line, he texts me. He's like, I'm coming to L.A., would you like to go to dinner with me? Hmm. So I was like, okay, like, cool. Like, I don't know what this means or whatever, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, but I'll go to dinner. Sure. And then just there again, we just hit it off. Like we, and I should add like the first day that the first night that we met like nine months earlier, like we talked for like hours, like mm-hmm. just about everything, like philosophy of life, religion, people just like life in general like very random things mm-hmm. and he, he's so, a musician as well right he's a musician he's he's um mostly a producer but he is a singer songwriter as well and mm-hmm. we have a recording studio here in um, hendersonville tennessee which is 20 minutes north of nashville that we operate and he's a great producer and people come in here all the time to record oh, cool. and yeah so we have a very creative life together so you know we feel like we found each other and we're yeah. we, compliment each other and you know life is very random and the night that we met I was wearing sweatpants Rachel I had no makeup on (laughs) I didn't want to talk to anybody I was anti-social I I debated I was in my my condo my apartment I was like do I go grab a glass of wine or not I was writing Mm -hmm. a song I'm like should I do this no I'm lazy no okay let me just like get sweatpants on and like a jacket or something it was cold I think it was October I I don't know when it was but anyway so then he comes back to LA and he asks you to dinner and you're like okay I don't know what to expect uh but you go so we go out so we go out and then you know we just hit it off and we dated long distance for a little bit and then you know I decided to make the move to Nashville because I'm like you know like I don't I don't have that many ties in LA I've been here for four years you know I could 
go over there. It's a music city as well. I can still be creative over there. Like this may work. It may not work, but either way, it's like a life change. So Mm -hmm. it's one of those things again that I was afraid of, but I decided to be spontaneous. That's like the theme of my life is I keep, I keep like jumping into things, you know, how how long did you date before you decided to move there? And how did that process even happen? Like, I'm sure my listeners like have dated long distance and have debated like, do I move to be with this person? Do they move to be with me? So explain that whole process. Yeah, I think it was only like three months. It was a short period of time. Oh, (laughs) wow. However, however, wait, wait, wait a second. (laughs) However, it was already in my mind to possibly move elsewhere. I didn't know what was going on. And we had a really strong connection. We talked every day. Like we would, we were still going back and forth to see each other. And, you know, I think that the decision was made. Mm Mm-hmm after three months or so. That's still, it's actually very romantic. Like I, I kind of like the idea of like, it just like clicked and then you just, you know, decided to do it. Yeah. And I did it really think like this, you know, and I still was independent minded about it. I'm like, it could work with this guy or not, but either way I'm going to make a life change and mm-hmm. just go for it, you know? Yeah. And, and in my case, my decision paid off. Like, we you know, we got engaged, got married. We have a two year old daughter now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if it wouldn't have panned out, I would have found my way the yeah. same way. And I could have chosen to still live in Nashville or I could have moved back to L.A., could have moved back to Miami. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm kind of impulsive. Yeah. <laughs> so. Is there anything I'm sure I'm sure now that you guys are like more settled in, you like don't even notice it anymore. But was there anything when you first started dating that was like, oh, I'm dating the son of one of the most famous you know, musicians of all time and. Or do people act different around him? Or do you feel like, like, I'm sure you've met some incredible people through him, but like, was that like a, was that kind of surreal at a certain point? Well, you know, it's, it's funny because I think when you have like two like-minded souls, like for he, he made it very normal for me because he, he himself was normal. I felt like he was just like my equal in many ways, like quirky, same creative mind, same everything. And he's pretty down to earth, but like certainly some other people, would, and he's used to this, by the way, and he could even tell you, like, his whole life would, if they didn't know who he was, would whose dad would, or whatever, like, would treat him a certain way. Mm-hmm. And that's just human nature. That's how people are. You can't really avoid that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you just deal with it, I guess. And you just remember that the person you're with is a human. And yeah. he's, he's, just a, he's just a dude, really. Yeah, yeah. His dad was married to was is his mom June Carter? Yes, his mom is June Carter. He's the only child of of that marriage. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah, so um, both of his parents passed in two thousand three, actually, with his as well as his sister, and oh, it was wow. a very sad time. Mm-hmm. Does but he... of course, he has wonderful memories of. He's very fond of both of his parents. Mm-hmm. Um, does he have any interesting stories that he shares with you about that? Um, just funny, very human stories. I mean, I can't really think of one, just it's definitely stories from his childhood and how, you know, something that really stands out is that, you know, his parents were just his parents, you know, mm-hmm. and they couldn't like take him to certain events and things, um, because everybody would recognize him immediately. They were super famous, you know, so like mm-hmm. he, he couldn't like, I think go to Disney world at the time. And it was, it was a different time too, you know? Yeah. Um, just different things like that but they you know it was just dad it was just mom mm-hmm. it's like your parents all of a sudden 
being famous, but they're still your parents, you know, yeah, totally. how, how are you supposed to react to that? Like, I would freak out if everyone knew who my dad was. Yeah, like, I couldn't imagine being a little kid and being like, why are all these parents coming up and asking my parents for autographs? Like, I don't understand. I just want to be, I just want to hang out with my dad. I just, just want to hang out with my dad. Like, you know, you have to put yourself in those shoes and understand, okay, if this were my dad, if this were my mom, like, how would I feel? Whatever. So yeah. it's, it's, it's humanized the whole thing to me, and I think it's very normal. Yeah. Really. Um, how has it been for you now being a new mom and like still like having a recording career and what, and what are you doing now with, uh, with everything? Um, yes, well, it's been great. My two year old is, is sassy. She just started preschool. I'm making lunches. I try to be as good of a mom as I can. I try to buy everything organic. Um, I just released a single that I recorded here at the cash cabin studio that, um, John produced and I wrote, um, with him, my friend Bill Miller, as well as Kevin Dunn, um, a gentleman from Wales who mm-hmm. works with Bonnie Tyler. And oh, wow. the song the song is called Broken Roses, and it's a ballad, and I shot a music video for it. Can, is Broken it out? Roses. Can we see it? Oh, yeah, it's out right now. So the music video, Broken Roses, uh, is out on YouTube. You just look up Anna Christina Cash, Broken Roses, and it's there. Um, the song is available for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere anywhere that you can stream or purchase music essentially. Mm-hmm. And the song is about a deteriorating relationship um, that is deteriorating due to substance abuse, abuse and the mental health, the failing mental health of one of the individuals. Uh-huh. And the video is, is devastating really. Yeah. I'm not going to, it's okay. a very full account of a relationship that is enduring substance abuse issues. Is this based in any truth or is it just uh, something that you are like, are, do you relate to it because it's a true life story or is it just something that you, you know, pulled from other people's experiences in life? And Well, to be honest, um, I was inspired. Like it was, it was a collaborative effort when we were writing, you know, the four of us, but um, I finished the rest of the lyrics and molded it into a way um, to kind of pay homage to a personal experience not on my account but I saw a friend Mm -hmm. experience Uh and their significant other past oh how sad yeah so I I don't want to mention oh yeah yeah don't mention mention, names or anything yeah obviously don't but yeah I'm fine to talk about it um you know and it's okay it's you know that's anonymous but the experience really touched me and Mm -hmm. by you know just friends of friends and acquaintances I've seen this issue affect a lot of people and people don't really speak out. Oh, it's epidemic. It's a huge, it's an epidemic. Yeah. Huge stigma that nobody talks about. And I think just encouraging people to ask how their friends are doing, how their loved ones are doing, just strangers. How are you doing today? Like, you know, being nice, smiling, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to, trying to change someone's life. You don't know who's suffering. Mm -hmm. So when I would, I recorded a full album and the full album will be out in like, March or April, but when I was choosing the single to release, which is on October 10th, Mental Health Awareness Day, by the way, and I partnered up with Change Direction Org, um, and I did their Change Direction Jam, where I actively went into the chat speaking with people, and I was a moderator for the trauma segment of that, Mm -hmm. so I worked closely with that organization to, you know, when I released the single on on the 10th. And it was just really important to be an advocate for for this. And when I was 
Yeah, I, about I, which thank you for doing that. I, I, I feel close to that community of people. I've just known so many people that have struggled with substance abuse and it's it needs to be talked about and mental health and stuff. So yeah, that's I'm really excited to watch the video. Thank you. Yeah. So um, yeah, when I when I thought about which single I want to put out, I'm like, which is the one that will, will create create more of an impact that would that could actually help people that has a purpose, because if I'm going to, you know, do all this effort and make a video for something, why a fluffy love story? Like, why not something that can actually actually help others, mm-hmm. essentially? So that's why I decided to do Broken Roses. In my opinion, finding a bra that is comfortable, fits well, and is also sexy used to be one of the hardest things for me. But that was until I discovered Third Love. Third Love are my hands-down go-to, the only bra I will ever wear ever again because Third Love actually uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their Fit Finder quiz to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. I had no idea that you had to take in uh, breast shape in mind when you were finding the right bra, but it makes so much sense now. So here's what you do. You go online, you take their Fit Finder quiz, you answer a few simple questions to find out your perfect fit in 60 seconds. It's actually super fun to take. And over 14 million women have taken the quiz to date. And they have a perfect fit promise. So every customer has 60 days to wear it, wash it, and put it to the test. And if you don't love it, you can return it. And Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need. But trust me, you're not going to want to return it. It is the only bra I feel super confident in. I feel super sexy, smooths out the back fat. I've mentioned that a lot, but that is the most important thing for me. Hands down, the most comfortable bra you'll ever own, lightweight, They have a super thin memory foam and it molds to your shape. And Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash be here now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash be here for 15% off today. Oh, they also have really cute, sexy underwear too. You know, some of my listeners are feeling like down and out on dating and whatever, like, for you, like, were you, were you kind of frustrated with dating in LA and probably never expected to meet um, someone the night that you went out in your sweatpants? Like, what's your advice oh on gosh. that? Like, like, <laughs> is it like keep going? Like, what's your what's your like dating advice and like how that all happened for you? Oh my gosh, I have, I have so much to say on this topic. I could go all day. So I I was very frustrated in the like you know the four years that I lived in LA dating. You know I like. I, you know, I dated people and like I go out on dates with people. I put myself out there, but I felt like, and I don't want to like poo poo on the city, but I felt like a lot of the people that I went out with were self-consumed or were like entertainment industry type of people perhaps. And like, I don't know. It was just, it was just like a weird vibe. I don't know if you can like chime in on this a little bit. Oh yeah. I mean, I've met a lot of nice people and and it can, but it it is also like, there is there is a like on a, a seedy underbelly of certain things and people in LA and self-obsessed and I mean that can happen anywhere but you I mean LA is attracting the most narcissists that's what it is narcissists yeah mm-hmm. and like not everyone is I also met some very nice people that you know um and perhaps I was like okay this isn't working for me so it was on my end you know what I mean as well so um for some reason that it didn't work for a while but I would just say keep putting yourself out there be yourself, be independent, you know, do things for yourself, be healthy, exercise. Cause mm-hmm. when you, when you look good and you feel good on the inside, it comes out on the outside as well. And I think the worst thing you can do is stay home. Like had I 
not gone gone out that specific day. Mm-hmm. And I really wasn't looking for anything. Yeah. Really, I didn't talk to anyone. You were going I'm out really also to like just, I mean, get out of the house, but also to make yourself a more whole person, meaning you were writing, you were working on your career. It wasn't like you just got, went out to be like, I need to meet a guy. Like, absolutely not. No way. I never, I never did that. Mm -hmm. You know, I (laughs) essentially, you know, I'd go out with my friends and everything, but like really I was having fun with friends or like if somebody asked me out, I would like consciously do that, but never like would I sit myself somewhere and be like, I need to find a man that's ridiculous. Yeah. So I think you just, I think you have to be happy with yourself and be fulfilled. And I think that will attract people as well. And, you know, and you have to find the right person that's compatible with you. But I also think you won't meet anyone just being home all the time. So don't play home, like be home and play video games. Yeah. Essentially don't, don't be home in your robe, like mm-hmm. with your hair up in a towel. Yeah. <laughs> essentially. Which and is like, essentially what I look like right now, but whatever. No. <laughs> <laughs> like eating ice cream, you know, I mean, at least go out, be, be a normal person. <laughs> yeah, no, know. no, I agree. I mean, it, and it also just, it's getting yourself out of your comfort zone, like going somewhere different than you wouldn't normally go or taking up a new, you know, activity. I think that you just have yeah. to keep trying. Um, yeah, you have trying. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what is uh, a few more like career questions? What was your biggest uh, career high and your biggest career low? I would say, definitely my biggest high was that the White House performance mm-hmm. I would say um, that was a big high for me because I felt that it was an amazing opportunity amazing experience um, and that's just one of them really I've Didn't had a you lot. also just perform at the Grand Ole Opry or something too yeah I did see, I feel also... like you've done so much <laughs> yeah that's also a big career high and I've been invited like a few times to perform on the Opry uh, once with Daly and Vincent and my husband John Carter Cash and another time with um John McEwen um, from the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band and some other time as well. So I've had some wonderful opportunities and I can't even begin to recount all these opportunities. They've been amazing and I've been very blessed as a performer and I feel very fortunate. Um, My worst experience definitely was um, when I was a teenager and I left a major label to go independent. I was scared Mm -hmm. essentially because um, I had to do everything on my own. I had to become self-managed and, you know, I eventually created opportunities for myself and that grew into the career I have now mm-hmm. definitely. And just creating an awareness, um, in Miami and Los Angeles and Nashville, but definitely at the time I was scared. Yeah, for sure. Well, especially as a teenager, like, you know, you're, you're like managing a lot of stuff on your own. Like that's a lot for a teenager to take on. Yeah. Plus, plus the social pressure of just being a teenager just figuring yourself out and having peace and you know social life of a teenager so it was it was definitely an interesting time yeah what's the um, best advice you've ever been given uh wait till yourself wait till the core connection hold on i'm gonna wait till it goes away sorry it's okay i don't know i don't even know if it's you it's just stupid there we go um what's the best advice you've ever been given i'd say just be yourself do what you want to do um don't feel like you have to be pressured into, you know, having a career that you won't be fulfilled in necessarily. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, if you're passionate enough about something, I think it'll work. Mm-hmm. How often so do you, how often, given. yeah, that's good advice. So was on, on that note, how often do you turn down opportunities because it just doesn't feel right to you? Do you do that often? I sure do. Um, for example, if, if it gets in the way of family life, mm-hmm. you know, 
um, or anything that's it's like too risque as like a married woman at this point, I definitely won't do. Mm-hmm. I've had to turn on a few opportunities of just things like, you know, th- that didn't make sense for me in the place I am in my in my life right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you have to just think about the kind of person you want to be and what you stand for. And I've certainly turned down several opportunities, especially if they got in the way of my family or maybe the well-being of my child or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I have. Would you ever go on tour, like a big tour, um, now that you have a, a kid, would, or would you bring them, is it your daughter? Sorry, I keep saying your kid. Um, would you, uh, it's a girl, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Her name's Grace. Uh, Grace it's okay, sorry. she's too. It's sorry, all right, Rachel. Sorry, Grace. <laughs> um, well, I knew it was a girl, but then I was like, why do I keep saying your kid? Um, but would you, would you bring her on tour with you, or would you wait until she was a little older, or is like, are you not interested in touring? I am interested in touring and I've, I've been doing like a few things here and there where I've had to leave town and she's, you know, been the care of my husband or I've brought her with me and, you know, she's even started preschool. Of course, her well-being comes first, but I live in Nashville and there are so many mom singers. There's like anyone, anyone from Carrie Underwood to whomever, so many female singers that make it work with families, Kelly Clarkson. So it's, it's not uncommon even for my my husband, whose father was Johnny Cash and whose mother mm-hmm. was June Carter Cash, like he, you know, they made it work. Yeah. Always came in the summers and everything. So I would not say no to a big tour. I would not say no to that opportunity because there are plenty of working moms out there. And I think it's important, um, you know, for to be a good example for my yeah. daughter and maintain. to continue working mm-hmm. and maintain that work ethic, most certainly. So um, it's definitely something that is doable. And because I live in Nashville and I've seen it so much and it's so common, I know that it's possible. Yeah, there's so many people that do it. I was just, I'm not even sure why I asked that because I'm thinking like I know a lot of female comedians that do it, but I know some people might be different where they don't want to manage the two, but it's obviously been done many times before. Uh, sure, and that's a respectable choice. If somebody decides that they don't want to, I wouldn't look down on that whatsoever. I mean, it's a really a personal choice for the person's family and for for what they want to do. So mm-hmm. not knocking that down if somebody decides that that's not what they want to do. Yeah, and now two years old might be a little bit young to see any musical talent in Gracia, but like she's, she's really getting the genetics from both sides. Has she shown any uh, any interest in music or... Oh my God, she she is so sassy. First of all, she's like two going on thirty, or <laughs> and you know I I never want to look for that, but she does. I mean, I would be lying if I said that she didn't sing. Like she she does. Like she mm-hmm. sings like all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, she sings like Twinkle Twinkle, like basic little things. She sings The Sound of Music, and she's only two, and she can hold pitch and hold long notes. So I I would oh definitely say she has. It's a little scary. She's like a little mini me and it scares me, but it's okay. Oh my God. It's so exciting though. Like what if she becomes like the biggest <laughs> recording star of all time? Listen, she's, I she's, don't know. she could be like, set I, up for it. You know what? I would, I would be happy. I would like tell her to do what she wanted to do and follow your dreams. I'd be encouraging. I, I definitely wouldn't be a stage mom. Like I've seen the ups and downs of what a life in the entertainment industry can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so she wanted to pursue that route. I'd talk to her about it. Be like, is this what you really want to do? I'll support you. But I think I'm also a big believer in education. Like I'm going back right now. I'm doing a master's right now. Oh, Jesus. um, Creative (laughs) writing and literature, you know, as a mom, just having incredible and everything. I'm like a huge believer in education just because I feel like we're always learning. And, you know, I want to encourage her to study Mm -hmm. also and just have that as a backup and, 
you know, just be an educated person, well-rounded. Wow, I'm so impressed that you're going back for your master's right now. You're like, it's not enough to have a recording career and a two-year-old and a husband. Why don't I add something else? That's awesome. <laughs> I know. But, you know, it's crazy. If I didn't have that, I'd find something else to fulfill that time because I've, yeah. I've, I've always been really energetic. I, I like doing, like, a million things. I like staying busy. If not, like, the wheels start turning in your head, you know? Yeah. Like, you always have to be busy. I'm the so exact I'm, I'm just same way. I literally yeah. don't even know how to watch TV. Like, I only know how to, like, work and learn and create things. <laughs> what is TV? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. What are, what are people doing on there? Um, I did watch Game of Thrones, though. I have to say, like, I did, like, watch all of that because I'm, like, super nerded in. Like, I binge watch Game of Thrones and Stranger Things. So I have watched TV, like, recently. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, so any, what else is next for you? Anything else you want to – and can people buy the album, like – Yes. So um, Broken Roses, my single is out right now. They can buy it on iTunes, any streaming service such as Spotify or, you know, Tidal or anything like that, Apple Music. And the video, the music video is out for Broken Roses and that's on YouTube at the moment. And, you know, it's for it's advocating for mental health awareness. I love that. And tell everyone where they can find you on social media and anything else you want to promote. Yes, yeah, so I'm I'm just Anna Christina Cash across the board on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I have a music Facebook page and AnnaChristinaCash.com. Um, but I will point out that I, Anna only has one N, and Christina is without the H. Okay, so. mine's mine's name right. is so hard to find on social media too. So because it's there's an extra <laughs> A, and it's a whole thing. Um, well, thank you so much for doing this. I yeah, I your career's been fascinating from start to finish, and. Uh, I'm just so happy for you, and I really thank you. Want to come I'm see happy a show? For you too. Well, like thank I, you. We, seriously, when I go to LA, we do need to hang. We need to. I would love that. Have that drink one day and just like catch up on like from our days with the breakdowns. <laughs> yes, I would absolutely love that. And uh, if yeah. you're ever performing, uh, well, when's like your next show? Is it uh, probably in Nashville? I assume. Oh yes, I am performing at the Cash Fest in Nashville um, in honor of Johnny Cash at the War Memorial Auditorium. It's a big event and. Wow. Lots of big names performing. Um, I don't have a whole list in front of me. That's on November the 10th, and people can get tickets for that at the War Memorial Auditorium. How exciting. Well, all right. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to hang up, but we can still talk. for. I'm just going to unpress record. But thank you again for doing this. Thank you, Rachel. You're the best. (laughs) 